How do you get yourself ready? How do you prepare your life for, a, say, a Ukraine experience? You know, a, a sudden invasion, maybe not with bullets and bombs, but perhaps from explosive bursts of marginalization, cancel culture, coming from a woke generation that sees our God and our deepening love for his son completely out of step with societal norms that removing insignificant folks like us from the global conversation of the day is performing God a very great service. Now, I know, I know I'm speaking with people from many spheres of culture, but I especially ask that, that question of the Western world. Is it possible in the midst of such an experience of radical marginalization, one can, can actually still walk with an unusual sense of deep peace and internal security? Is it even possible? I mean, after all, where are you going to go to work? How are you going to feed your family? One minute, life is good, and suddenly, overnight, everything changes. And let me add, this is uh, something that could happen at any time. We don't have to wait for a seven-year tribulation for that to come about. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. You know, I don't believe for a minute what I just said is some crazy conspiracy coming from a religious zealot. This will be the experience of many, probably, in the not-too-distant future. If you've been tracking with us as we we look at the condition of the human soul, the human psyche, and the necessity for that marvelous organ created by God to rapidly get into a surrendered condition, you're, you're probably considering the scenarios I just presented. If you haven't, you should probably be listening to our recent episode, If I Am, If I'm Everything God Says That I Am in His, in his Word, Why Don't I? How can I get my rambunctious soul into a surrendered condition? As we saw from creation in Genesis 1.26, God created us in His image and in His likeness. We're imagers, imagers of the uncreated God. Our Heavenly Father is the original, and you and I are counterparts to that wonderful work able to experience an intimate relationship with our Creator and, with a surrendered soul, free ourselves from fear, doubt, and worry, all those things that, that Satan represents. We showed that this journey into a life of quiet surrender begins with our personal relationship with Him by means of the one and only way to that relationship, His Son, Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, and Savior of the world. But we also saw that if we resort to the natural man, this, the psyche, our human psychology, to come into that rest, as the Apostle Paul makes very clear, the natural man, the soulish man, he does not even receive the things of the Spirit of God. Therefore, they're foolishness to him. He can't know them because they're spiritually discerned. We also showed this is the problem that, that must first and foremost be recognized. And today, today we want to show the amazing provisions that God's put in place to get us to that surrendered condition. What's necessary to withstand the forces of evil that are headed our way? You know, there's some, some amazing paradoxes in the Bible. The, 
The only way to live, of course, is to die. What a paradox. The the only way to be free is to give up freedom. Being a disciple of Jesus is easy. His, His burden is light. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. I'm I'm going to read only about three verses here, verses 10, 17, and 18. Skipping around a little bit, John chapter 10, the, the words of Jesus to his disciples. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I received from my heavenly Father. God in the flesh received it from God in the Spirit. Now, now we've talked a bit about what, what some of those words Jesus is using actually mean. For instance, Jesus never talked about laying down his, his biology, his, his physical life, or, or his zoe, his eternal life, his life in God. He said he came to lay down his soul, his psyche, his human psychology. Now, that's profound because it speaks volumes about what we should be laying down. It wasn't easy for him. He sweat drops of blood, and it won't be easy for us. And another thing, when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, he never played mind games with the devil. He never once worked a miracle or showed a sign to the devil. He could have. The devil encouraged him to show a sign, but he didn't. Then there's this paradox. John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Again, a paradox. Again, the word life in that verse is translated soul. If you love all the things your soul, your your natural man can do, how it can hold you and all your friends in awe of its magnificence, you will lose it. But if you hate, if you detest what your soul is actually capable of doing, you'll have an eternal future. Then in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You take your soul to the cross daily. Then you take it up again in a surrendered condition, just like Jesus. You can take your soul to the cross because he voluntarily took his soul to the cross. God fully intends for the cross to offend the soul, and uh, at least on the front end, But when it arrives at Calvary in that weak, broken condition, on the back end, transformation really takes place. God knew. He absolutely knew he could not allow the world to come to know him through its wisdom, not the wisdom of the world. That would exalt the soul, make the soul commander-in-chief. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now listen to verse 21. Listen to this carefully. For, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. In other words, there's something that happens to those seemingly foolish words of the gospel that creates a new life in the spirit that's absolutely eternal. The soul wouldn't have a problem if it could save your life, but you tell your soul that that it has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation, and boy, does the turmoil begin. And then there's verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, that's a stumbling block. It's a mystery. It's, it's an offense. There's a veil over their eyes. And, and to the Greeks, it's foolishness. My goodness, that looks like a, a lose-lose situation. You know, that word stumbling block is where we get the word scandalous or the word offense. The cross is offensive to the human soul. Soulish wisdom, the natural man, calls such a surrender, even unto death, scandalous and offensive. Bearing the cross represents defeat, while, while life in the Spirit represents victory. It's not either or, it's both. Listen, never base your relationship with God on how well you're doing today. You know, that's a recipe for disaster. You know what that does? It always gives the enemy just the opening he needs for an argument and an altercation about just how well you're really actually doing. Always relate with the Father on the basis of his burning love and desire for you. What you believe about God's heart toward you is what you will become in your heart toward God. That God is not mostly mad and sad He's the God of a glad heart. I absolutely love this psalm. Listen to this, Psalm 18, verse 16. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me into a broad place, he delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my surrendered soul. According to the cleanness of my hands, he's recompensed me. I showed a few minutes ago that a journey to the cross is necessary to bring that cantankerous soul into a surrendered condition. It must die so it can live. It's been said, new levels, new devils. Listen to the Apostle Paul writing from prison to a church in Philippi, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul was in the slammer. He's, he's saying his desire is to know God in a, a progressive day-by-day spiritual intimacy, experiencing the power, walking in the anointing, being well aware such a journey is costly, that it'll bring counterattack from the enemy. New levels, new devils, and my friend, it will. Beloved, we're entering a transitional generation, and the spirit-to-soul translation 
must come through a surrendered soul, and the Holy Spirit has presented wonderful provisions to bring that about. It'll be the one and only way to navigate the troubled waters ahead. You know, for any of us, this is a real challenge. It wasn't easy for Jesus. It won't be easy for us. Nevertheless, the journey begins a day at a time. Prayer. When your feet hit the floor in the morning, make the time. Read the Word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit how He wants you to to focus your thoughts through the day. Don't know where to start? Read a psalm. Read a proverb. Communicate with the Lord throughout the day. Father, ask questions. Father, what do you feel today? What are your emotions? What is at the top of your agenda for humanity in this hour? Begin to build a history with the Lord. It'll be absolutely necessary when your personal Ukraine experience manifests suddenly with little or no warning at all. Your heart may be beating very fast and your mind momentarily a bit confused. That preparation, that history that you've been building over time with the Lord has prepared you to hear the voice of the Spirit in the crisis. Let's pray. Father, we need significant heart preparation for the coming days. Uh, It's the story of our spiritual experience, Lord, the things we really want to do to to glorify you. We we just don't do, but we're often quick to do what we would have preferred not to even enter our minds, our souls. Lord, deliver us from this body of sin and death. Holy Spirit, captivate our hearts in such a way that crowds us into your presence, that we might feel what you feel and be be quick to respond to the desires of your heart. Lord, save us to the uttermost. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, brothers and sisters, and please don't hesitate to share these episodes with your friends and family. God bless each and every one of you. And Maranatha, I'm Bill Nordstrom.